for Thursday, May 21st, 2020. This is Did You Wash Your Hands? or a podcast from WABE answering the questions everyone's asking during the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm health reporter Sam Whitehead. Today, the Georgia Department of Public Health has faced mounting criticism of how it shares information with the public. But the state's top public health official says she hopes Georgians still trust her agency. Some of the graphics may not have been the most effective to uh, identify information. And I hope that if we have lost the public's trust, and I hope that we haven't, I hope that we will gain it back. Dr. Kathleen Toomey, commissioner of the Georgia Department of Public Health, joins me for more on the state's COVID-19 data and her agency's efforts to track people who are sick with the disease. That's next. You love free, and at Ameris Bank, so do we. That's why we're proud to offer worry-free, hassle-free Ameris Bank free checking. Manage your money your way with convenient access to digital, mobile, and telephone banking, all with no monthly service fee or minimum balance requirements. At Ameris Bank, we're with you. For more information or to open an account, visit our local bankers in person or online at amerisbank.com slash free checking. Other fees such as overdraft fees may apply. Ameris Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Support for WABE's local coverage on maternal health and mortality comes from Georgia Health Initiative, whose mission is to inspire and promote collective action that advances health equity for all Georgians. Learn more at georgiahealthinitiative.org. For weeks, the state's top public health official has promoted her plan to hire an army of disease detectives called contact tracers to track down the contacts of everyone in Georgia who tests positive for COVID-19. That push comes as Georgia's public health agency has faced increased scrutiny over the data it shares with the public about the pandemic. Here to talk about that is Dr. Kathleen Toomey. She leads Georgia's Department of Public Health. Dr. Toomey, thank you for taking this time to talk with me today. I really appreciate it. No, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. So we're here to talk about contact tracing first. You have said the state wants to hire 1,000 contact tracers by mid-June around this time next month. To get us started, where are you uh, in, in reaching that goal? We have really um, done an extraordinary job in being able to identify candidates and, and bring them on board very quickly. We've received almost 2,000 applications as of May 17th, and already we have about 200 interns from universities and schools of public health on board and are getting additional applications for temporary health workers. But at the rate we're going and bringing people on, both the interns from the schools as well as reaching out and advertising this position, that's available, which will place individuals across the state, um, we will reach our goal of a 1,000 contact tracers by mid-month next month, if not sooner. 
So public health groups, among them the Association of State and Territorial Health Officials, have recommended uh, kind of a, a target number for contact tracers in an emergency situation. They say states should try to ramp up to 30 tracers per every 100,000 residents. In Georgia, that would be upwards of 3,000 contact tracers. So what are you planning to do in the event this workforce of 1,000 simply can't handle the work? So as I mentioned, you know, we have received many applications from university students. We received many applications for the staff positions. We took our estimates from uh, Johns Hopkins, I believe, uh, estimate that said uh, seven contact tracers for 100,000. That's where we made your original estimate. But because we have the capacity to bring people on board quickly, we have the agility that if we do find that a thousand isn't sufficient, we will be able to ramp that up quickly and add to that. So uh, I, I am not worried about that. You know, we made that initial estimate. We have to have a ballpark number based on um, this original seven per hundred thousand estimate. But we have the capacity and ability to uh, bring more people on board. We have also reached out to the CDC Foundation, and they have helped us enormously both with identifying an individual to help us do training of the contact tracers because we want the tracers to be uniformly trained and be able to provide this, the same capacity throughout the state. So we have a trainer as well as a um, deployment coordinator. This is almost like a logistical military operation. You have these logistics to deploy across the state uh, consistent with the population as well as the number of cases occurring. And so you want to make sure you match the number of people doing the tracing with the number of cases and the need. And so we have that capacity to do that. So I'm actually very confident. Um, you know, we made our, our original estimate. And we have the agility in the system as well as the support from external groups, uh, both university systems as well as the CDC Foundation to um, be able to deploy additional staff if necessary. You've talked a little bit about sufficient capacity, and in their gating criteria for states to start to open up, the White House does list it is the state's responsibility to have the ability to trace contacts of positive COVID-19 cases. Do you interpret that as tracing every contact of a positive case, and is that your goal, to be able to trace every contact? Well, to be able to interview every individual who is identified as a case and hopefully uh, identify close contacts uh, very quickly. The most important thing for this to be an effective disease prevention tool is that the intervention occurs quickly. Um, because if it's too long afterwards, the contacts themselves may have become infected and infected others. So you want to break the chain of transmission. And that's why we wanted to have this kind of capacity, not only here in the metro area, but across the state, wherever there's cases occurring. So, I, you know, I feel good about our ability to respond quickly, and I feel good about the fact that both with the individuals we have on board trained with a partnership with the Georgia Poison Center that's answering calls, uh, as well as the use of a new customized Google app, which will help streamline some of the work that we're doing, um, which will allow us to monitor the contacts and through um, an Internet connection rather than um, a direct phone call. 
you know, we can uh, certainly meet that challenge and more. I think perhaps one of the lessons from the economy is that there are, are individuals who are actually very anxious to take this work and have applied for these jobs. You know, we have had many more applications than we have spaces available right now. So with uh, over 4,000 applications for these positions, we can easily bring on additional uh, staff if necessary. From my perspective, the one piece that perhaps is not particularly evident perhaps in, in our discussions, but is the most important, is the work in the community. The community has to understand why this is important, why um, this is part of disease prevention, why it's important for you and your family to answer that phone call or that text message that you get from the app and, and to cooperate with us if you've been identified as a contact. And so a lot of the work after we bring everyone on board and get them trained and, and staffed out into all the districts across the state, you're going to see us um, doing a lot of work with community partners, faith, uh, the faith community, with other community-based organizations, with the business community. You know, we can work with them to reach their employees, that they understand what this work is about and why it's so important. So I, I'm I'm very happy with the progress that's been made and how quickly we've been able to make it. And it's been a tremendous communal effort, both on the part of state public health and all of 18 of our health districts uh, across the state. With the staff you have now, do we today have the ability to contact and contact trace every positive case in the state? With the staff we have today, we can contact every case, and we are contacting every case, and we will continue to expand that capacity over the next few weeks that we will be able to do every case. Right now, we're, the average number of, of contacts per case is, is about, I think, uh, two that's being identified. But I think one of the things to point out is that this is so important. I feel like the metrics of this is so important that we will be posting on our website our contact tracing metrics from the startup of this ramping up uh, effort so you can see exactly how many cases and, and contacts we've um, been able to identify. And that probably will be posted as early as Monday, Memorial Day. Since you, you started talking about the metrics, certainly there is a lot of data that y'all are working to provide to the public. There was a bit of a snafu over the weekend where some testing numbers were included that, that you say shouldn't have been. That was something that you actually put out a public notice about. Um, but that's only one of a number of issues recently, just concerns about the, the data the DPH is putting together and, and, and disseminating. Do you still feel like there is public trust in that data? Well, I think it's important that the public do trust our data because that's the information that both they need to trust to be able to make decisions about themselves and their family and the policymakers um, need to look at to make decisions about kind of how we move forward with the state and business owners to make decisions about the potential risk for opening up their their place of employment. So, you know, we are working hard to ensure that uh, those data are accurate and, and reflect the the most up-to-date information. Sometimes graphics aren't um, the, clearly uh, the optimal way to present data. There are other ways to present data. Data are a tool. They aren't the end in themselves. They are a tool to help us make decisions. And 
and we are continuing and will continue to make every effort to improve the quality of our data to ensure everyone, the public as well as policymakers, have the information they need. This data dashboard has gotten a lot of attention recently, and it's not really been positive. I mean, do you feel personally like people have lost faith in this data? I I don't know if people have lost faith. I mean, you are in a better position to make that judgment. What my job is to ensure that we have the most accurate, up-to-date data presented in a way that's understandable. As I said, some of the graphics may not have been the most effective to identify information. We're working with SAS, the programming company, to help us develop graphics, and some of them may not have been the ideal for the presentation of data that was chosen, we're going to continue to do better. Uh, And I hope that uh, if we have lost the public's trust, and I hope that we haven't, I hope that we will gain it back because it's important that we work together because the only way we can fight this pandemic is to fight it together as a community, uh, public health together with the entire community, working together with the public's trust. And Dr. Toomey, I wanted to ask about who makes the calls about what's what goes up on that page. You and Governor Kemp have been seen side by side at a number of press conferences throughout this pandemic, thinking specifically about comments that he made about the gating criteria being met. And you came around a little bit later and said, well, maybe not so much. It gets me wondering who is making the call about what information the Department of Public Health is displaying on this page? Is that being made within your agency? I, I listen. I'm gonna have to run. Um, I'm I'm actually can't answer this right now because I um, I'm getting called by the governor's office. But I, I think that uh, as I've said before, there are many uh, decisions being made about how the decisions being made to open up or not. Um, the data are one piece of that decision, and um, I I'm, I really I'm gonna have to go because I'm being yanked off. It is a pretty simple question, though. I mean, is that decision being made by your agency? I, I mean, it's it's the decision of what goes up on the on the website is is being made in, in tandem with a lot of different uh, uh, with a lot of different agencies. Dr. Toomey, thank you so much. Okay, bye bye. Dr. Kathleen Toomey is commissioner of the Georgia Department of Public Health. Did You Wash Your Hands is a production of 90.1 WABE Atlanta, where ATL meets NPR. You can reach us with questions, comments, or controversy at washyourhands at wabe.org. You can find all our episodes in your favorite podcast app, where you can also leave us a rating and a review. And you can find more stories on the coronavirus pandemic at wabe.org slash coronavirus. If you haven't recently, now might be a good time to go wash your hands. I'm Sam Whitehead. Thanks for listening. Have you donated to WAB yet? I know you've heard us talking about why it's important, but it doesn't have to be this big decision. You can give at whatever amount fits your budget. It can be a spur-of-the-moment thing. You already get so much out of public radio, so just go for it. Visit wabe.org slash donate and become a member right now. And thank you.